You know, we, we, we're getting better at it, but, you know, we, we haven't mastered it yet. I was thinking, like, this would be, like, the perfect three-on-three team. Like, Sean run the point, Welly commit the hard fouls, and I make sure that the water cold. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, whatever, though. Anyways, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Boundaries podcast with a crossover of the When We Feel Like It podcast. As always, Jay, Sean, Welly, Fundamentals. You know what's funny about what you just said? Uh, I actually uh, have a I'm, I'm on a bat on a recreational team now, for like you know guys going through the midlife crisis. <laughs> and it actually starts next week. It's, be, it's like okay, thirty and up. I'm, I'm gonna assume that that's what it is mostly. Yeah, um, it's like I think it's a uh, ten games um, and a uh, playoff start like in June or something like that. But uh, it seemed it seemed pretty legit though. Uh, I haven't done this in like five years, so I'm kind of excited about it. So you're really gonna be out there committing hard fouls, dog. You, I don't, man. I, that's one thing about me. Though. I, don't, I try not to do that shit. I think that shit's fucked up. Like we ain't getting paid for this shit, bro. Sure, I know how. I don't know that foul this shit, bro. I just want to know: is the trophy shaped like some icy hot? <laughs> <laughs> shit might as well be, dog. This nigga's gonna be out there aching and hurting, complaining, trying to get pulled out. But I'm pretty sure we're gonna be in there with some people that think they need to be in the league. And anyway. oh, you you always have that one person that you know. If I would have been seven inches taller, I would have went pro. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> I'm just out there you know, cardio, trying to have fun, man. I, I was I was surprised they even asked me, but they they were they even told me like at at this age that we're at now, cats don't like playing defense. So so it's like it was like and and when I'm out when I'm out hooping, like I'm not the type of person that's just like. Oh, you can just go by. Like, I, right, I'm not like that type of person. I'm still not gonna foul you though, bro. Like, that shit is like that shit really bothers me when we just out here just having a good time and like you drive to land and get punched in the mouth. Cause remember that time I had to bust his lip. Like, who does that? Like, we're just we're just out here trying to have a good time, bro. But at the, speaking of that, as I was you know signing up for it, I was thinking about how like people like people network and uh, the, just the idea of community in general and. Um, I was thinking about how, like, I, I don't know. I can't just give this to white people because I feel like everybody has their, you know, their way of doing it. I feel like, you know, we obviously get together and we hoop or whatever, you know, black people. Um, but, like, how common is it for, like, people to actually, like, try to get into, like, softball leagues that, you know, like, softball leagues, bowling leagues, do something like outdoors, like actually get together and be on a flag football team or go play. I mean, I, like I said on the show last week, I think golf is horrendously boring. You know, shout out to Tiger Woods, though. But 
Like who? What? What? What do we do as far as networking besides going to hang out at bars and shit? And, and I guess doing podcasts. Like, what would be something that we do outside of that? It's funny. I was actually in the bowling league a while back. You can bowl. I'm all right. Wow, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, I fuck around a little bit. I mean, but if it's not like work sanctioned, it's pretty much impossible to get you out there. Not only that, because it's you know scheduling and everything. If you like doing it with the with the work schedule. Then you know everybody at at your job on the same shit as you, really. So they committed to it. That makes sense. Outside of that, we had a family doing it too. Like at one point, man, that shit fell off real quick. Cause again, scheduling and all that type of shit. Yeah. yeah. Money, everybody, money not the same. All type of shit like that. It's it's damn near impossible. Okay. What about the government, Jay? Y'all be out there fucking around. <sighs> you know how they always say it's, it's all fun and games so somebody gets hurt. Yeah. Last time we we were all at an exam and it was a bunch of people. So I was like, oh, shoot. we're gonna run to Walmart, get a kickball. We're gonna go play kickball. Somebody got hurt, got a concussion, and so what? Yeah, somebody got a concussion playing kickball. Huh? Oh god! It wasn't me, <laughs> but I was the asshole because you know the, somebody popped popped it up, and the chick she went to catch it, and when she caught it, she fell backwards, and so she dropped it. So I was like, oh, you know, okay, cool. And then there, and then she's like, you know, well, at least I caught it. And in my mind, I'm like, well, since you dropped it, it's not really a catch. But <laughs> <laughs> You up there trying to stick to the rules. I was trying to stick to like, the rules. Man, y'all going to take this L. Like. But, yeah, other than that, like the only time we, we do something together with my work people is like it's a happy hour. And um, after my mom's dad passed, you know, you run into those cousins you ain't never seen in a while. And it's like, you know, let's hang out and. I think that happened once, and then it's like, oh, we should do this every month, and it never happened again. So, to me, it's like if there isn't somebody there or something there that's putting that pressure on you to continue it, like you see your coworkers on a daily basis, it's like, hey, you still you still coming out Thursday night, right? You know, if you have that that space to make the decision on your on your own, you you're not gonna follow through. I don't, anyways. My job is very family oriented. Actually, a lot of people at my job hang out. It's almost like a, a brotherhood type thing. It's crazy the love you can get out there. Show real love out there, for real. I think the reason I brought this up to say, and I'm not down to people that get together for drinks, because I know that people tend to get together for drinks because it's a, it's an easy, it's a venting session. You get together for drinks, people drink, they get kind of buzzed, they get vulnerable, they actually start talking. Uh, and, you know, I still, I still feel that we are, we, a lot of us are still pretty, we're, we're pretty young, bro, like, we're still. We got people in, in the NBA and NFL like Vince Carter and Tom Brady do, going hard at 40, 41. So we really ain't got no excuse not to be able to, you know, get out there and be active with each other. So I'm just thinking in my head, like, from a networking perspective, do you think that that's something that we should we should be doing more often? Like, trying to get people together for, you know, softball leagues, volleyball leagues, kickball leagues. And I mean, I understand people tend to get hurt, but like... Just with the with the ideal of networking without anybody having to, you know, Uber afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Or like having to worry about I mean, I guess there's different types of cautionary things that you have to worry about. Like you said, motherfucker get a concussion. But we all work and we all employed. We all got insurance, it's cool. It's a different story when somebody drive home drunk. Them motherfuckers, we know how that shit is in Houston. Like, ever since I got on Twitter, bro, like, I don't think a day goes by where I don't see uh, one of these reporters uh, reporting on somebody either getting struck by a drunk driver, a drunk driver dying in the middle of the night, and it's it's become a norm. Like I know y'all passed those uh those black kiosks that's on the freeway where it says like hey you know one thousand deaths on Texas freeways. Like 
that shit is for real, bro. So I just kind of, in my mind, I'm thinking, once again, from a networking perspective and from a community perspective, I think that it would be cool if we did that more. And I was just curious if y'all are even a part of those things and maybe I just never asked. So for, so basically, to answer the question, y'all really not, y'all y'all haven't done it. In a, you've done it once. Once. Okay, but it wasn't nothing that was like sanctioned into or like. Yeah, but anything else, it's probably alcohol related. Wow. I didn't chill with my coworkers a few times. At this job right here that I'm at now, it happens a lot actually. Okay. People okay. really hang out at my spot. Over drinks or just hang out, hang out. Everything, chill, period. Mm-hmm. Everything. Because you said you hooped with them like the not too long ago too. So yeah, yeah. yeah so I was trash the last time. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, I was, I was pure garbage. I, I was, was like, so trash the last time I went and hooped. Like I was, all right, cool. I'm getting my cardio in, so we, get, you know, pick up a team. All right, yeah, we, we'll get this one game in. We win. I'm doing, I'm doing work close to the bucket. You know, layups, post moves, whatever. Uh-huh. Second game come around. I was like, okay, our team, the team against we're going up against, look a little bit better. We end up pulling out the dub. Third game, I am gassed. Hmm. I'm like, look. I'm not, I'm not young enough. Because in the second game, dude tried to toss me an alley, and I just looked at him like, my man. <laughs> that's not me anymore. Maybe 12 years ago that would have been me, but that's not me anymore. Yeah. That third game was like, let me see how this jumper look. Because <laughs> that's all I got. And then after we lost that third game, it was like, good. I should have been lifting weights anyways. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, at least you tried, bro. Well out here looking like a fucking hand one mixtape and shit. <laughs> Oh yeah, that shit was fun though. That shit, they tried to charge me that, that extra twenty on top of that membership. Though. I can't do it. <laughs> Fuck that. And, Ain't been back since, Bruh. It was that, that was a nice facility though, and I like the fact that they had the shot clock because we need a shot clock, bro. Like cats don't want to get off the court. Yeah, you know. But uh, long story short, I really bring this up to say, um, as far as networking goes, like I've been, you know, obviously with the passing of Nipsey. I've been seeing a lot of glorification over the legacy that he left behind. And uh, with the legacy that he left behind, a lot of people are, you know, you know, praising him for his uh, business mind. And the way, you know, I think one of the, the coolest things I saw from it was the fact that, you know, his family rejected crowdfunding, you know, from the, from the, uh, from Reggie Bush and uh, multiple other people that were trying to, you know, give him money. And I, I really respect the fact that they, they rejected it. And at the same time, I think that, you know, obviously they rejected it because, like, Nipsey said, I got a million dollars on my flesh. Like, everybody knows, like, Nipsey was on top of his shit. And uh, also on top of that, the marathon clothing is booming. So, I mean, if you if you get $2 million in sales in one month, is that what it was? Something like that. From what it was saying, that he got $2 million orders. Good Lord. The orders are in the $2 millions. Shit. Tell them what those numbers was like. I, I I went and looked at the merchandise afterwards, and yeah, I don't know how much stuff was costing before then, but... I, I don't think they upped them. I don't think they upped them. I, I don't think that... Based on the fact that they're the type of people that's going to reject crowdfunding, I don't think they're going to... I mean, Nipsey was selling CDs for 100 at one point, so he, his clothes was kind of expensive, somewhat expensive. You okay. know, like you might get like a hat for $50 or something like that, a shirt for $50, something like that. That's kind of reasonable, though. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I mean it's it's, but I mean, it's reasonable know. based on you know uh, what a rapper would promote. Like if you were to look at um, Jay Z's Rock Nation stuff, like I would say those prices are about the same too. What's the oldest clothing line y'all remember wearing that was that was a, a, a technically black black by a black creator, and that wasn't Fubu? You probably talking about like Fat Form and Sean John. What else you talking about? Was Mecca was Mecca a, a black brand? I feel like it was. Um, 
Damn, what's the name of that shit? Academics and oh, yeah, all academics. that shit. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I think I remember, remember a Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. Nietzsche. Yeah. Nietzsche was live. Nobody uh, can say it right. Ennis. <laughs> Ennis or E-Nice. <laughs> somebody told me that it, it meant NYC. Like, so that's what somebody told me a long time ago that it meant NYC. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I um, believe it does. Yeah. And, and, and once again, uh, I, th- I thought that was kind of cool that we were doing that back then so effortlessly. And it was like. Man, like I, I remember, like South Pole is actually a thing, and and then eventually you, you rocking the South Pole, they probably that's probably some some trash hooping shorts that you probably found in Burlington Coat Factory or something, you know. And I'm just trying to figure out where the transition occurred to where we we saw black brands as basically garage sale type brands. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's almost like thrift store clothing where you're wearing a black brand, and now it's almost like does it feel it almost? I'm I'm hoping that. Oh, this sound bad. But with with Nipsey's passing, hopefully black brands take a forefront. You know, you know, to to fashion, and they're not just looked at as you know. I'm just supporting a black business rather than you know I'm supporting a business that puts out quality. You know, and I think that's a big deal. Uh, another thing that got me thinking about this is I was listening to your episode last week, and you were talking about the Beyonce thing. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one that that um, I could be confused with this? But Kanye West is with Adidas, right? Yeah, that's not weird. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I would think that they wouldn't want to have any correlation with Kanye at this point. Oh, Beyonce or Adidas? Beyonce and Adidas. Well, wasn't you that said that um, Adidas owns Reebok? Yeah. It's, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of confusing to me. So there was a, a Beyonce did have a brand, right? Darion or something like yeah, that. Yeah, how, how's that going? I don't that, know. That, that pretty much fell off the off the map, and then whoever did the Ivy Park, they just dropped the ball on that whole thing. Yeah, that lasted for like a month. Like it rolled out, it sold out, and then nobody picked it up. And, and once again, you would expect that Beyonce would be able to sustain uh, something sustain, like that. Yeah, with with a black brand. So once again, like I'm questioning, what is it about black brands for real? I I, want to know what was her devotion to it more than anything. Like, was she devoted to really building that clothing brand? Or was it just publicity? Because, you know, Kanye, he's been in the fashion from the jump. Yeah, him and Pharrell. And so he's always wanted to do that. So, and, and, I mean, the Yeezys still sell. Mm -hmm. No matter how dirt-ass ugly they are, they're going to sell. Very, very ugly. So, I mean, Adidas is is worried about their check. So, with that Kanye, is like, all publicity is good publicity. Cause those 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 Yeezys still sell. Can we name anybody that's black that has a brand that's just like <clears throat> sustaining without any type of um, inconvenience to support, like to to make it what it is, like marathon, like celebrity wise. Yeah, I mean, I, cause I can't really count Sean John. That nigga Diddy be lying. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. What is what, what does the Sean John stand for? What does that mean? Or is that on some swaggy P shit where we don't know what the P stand for? I think it's something like that. Oh man! But damn, um, G, you don't see any G unit anymore. No, uh, no, Reebok cut that check though. Yeah, but it mainly falls off in terms of the popularity of the rapper or the celebrity. But damn, once if you're not Beyonce. creating that type of work, then you know nobody gonna buy that shit. Yeah, so, musically, uh, Fifty Cent is not really producing what people so called think he should be producing. So, you know, G-Unit fell off. Hard. When yeah. he fell off. Pretty much, pretty much. I remember even Outkast had something. And um, that, did, that didn't last long. Andre 3K has something right now. I forgot the name of it, but he's selling some 
like shoes and clothing and stuff. And it's not Andre plastered all over it though, so it's probably nah. kind of hidden, you know. Um, <clears throat> I'm asking this question, but in the back of my mind, I think that, in all honesty, I think the glorification of 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 foreign brands in in hip hop culture has been toxic to us too, and that's why I kind of sent y'all that uh, that message the other day about you know just like think about the idea of immigration. Um, I, and once again, uh, we had somebody that was on the show before that said that we sound like Trump supporters because uh, our, our take on immigration. And I think that um, with that point being brought up, it, it makes me realize that I don't think there's any way for a person to actually care about their race or show that they want their race to be more prevalent than it is without sounding like they hate another race. For instance, I was going through our old neighborhood the other day, Sean, mm-hmm. and um, where we grew up at, bro, I mean, for the most part, you know, the businesses around us were pretty much franchise businesses. Like, there weren't really any standalone businesses, maybe besides a black barbershop, and then you had Harry's, which is, you know, Indian dude that owned a liquor shop, but... That uh, album store where you buy CDs and stuff, yeah. oh, that's yeah. probably about it. Yeah, and, you know, so for the most part, you know, it was a good mix. You, like I said, you had one or two off, you know, some one or two or three mom and pops, maybe even a cell, cell phone store. But uh-huh. between that, it was blacks and maybe Indians. So I go over there now, and I'm sorry, man, like Hispanic people just basically took over the whole fucking block. And it's shocking to me. Like literally from one sh- traffic light to probably the Beltway, it's I see, I see at least 10 or 12 Mexican businesses. And I'm not knocking them. Oh, I was just thinking about that little lot. By the, right by the neighborhood. Yeah, okay, and that's you. amazing. Like that motherfucker looks like it can. I'm, I'm almost gonna say that in a, in not too long from now, that little area will be considered a little Mexico, and we already have a little Mexico in Houston on the airline. So, in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, if and once again, this is not a knock on Mexican people. I, mm-hmm. I respect the fact that people could come over here. Have, have English as a second language and still thrive in a community that doesn't even want them there. And the, but even with that being said, I'm trying to figure out what are we doing to, to the point where we're like almost stepping, stepping back and being like third class citizens and we are already here. Like one thing I would say, we're looking at the end results. A lot of things that they were doing, Hispanic people, when we were children that we would laugh at, are actually fundamental principles of stacking money and building, building you know, success yeah, within building, the community. Building wealth. For instance, you see a, a Hispanic person selling oranges or something. You laugh at him like, look at this motherfucker selling oranges, this little goofy motherfucker. He may have grew those oranges himself. Mm-hmm. It might be his business. He might be selling it. He might not be getting it from another party. It might be him himself that's actually growing and cultivating these oranges or whatever vegetables or fruits he's selling. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff. We're laughing at that, but... He's making all his own money coming to him. Yeah, no middleman. He goes home. He might have a household of six people, mm-hmm. but they are, are contributing to the house. In cash. Yeah. In yeah. cash. Yeah, There's no no reliance so, on that's credit. That's liquid, right? That's liquid. That's, that's, liquid. that's as liquid as it gets. So Damn. now also you have to think about the family structure. Okay, so now if you have children, you you don't have to pay for babysitters and all this other stuff. They're already inset inside the house. People Abuela are able to watch there. your children. We say what? Abuela lives there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you got three generations, two generations in one house. Yeah, and once you get, like you said, we laughed at that, and and I and I bring this up to say once again, 
as, as a hip hop culture, we 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 love these foreign brands, and we we're 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 putting foreign brands over us, rather than you know once again like putting our brands in the forefront where they should be, and I look at I look at both concepts as in like immigration, whether legal or illegal, um, doesn't really benefit the mind state the no, the success of black people based on the fact that it's almost like the more the more we have coming into to our communities, the more we just feel like we just need to consume. We need to find a way to consume. Like we love our tacos. Black people love our we love our tacos. I do love tacos. I mean black people love their foreign clothes. Women love their Christian Louboutins, they Gucci. I mean, they can deny it, but like we in the black community, we love to consume. And although I know we love to consume, I that to me that means that we like money just as much as anybody else. And why is there no riff in the in the culture to say, hey, if we're gonna consume, we at least need to be able to consume with money that we are we are making off of our own shit. Like I had a conversation with my son the other day and I told him, I said, because he was doing a project and he was trying to get me to cheat and help him with it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> other than that, I was telling him, like, do you do you ever feel like your school the education that you're getting is actually putting you in a place to actually have a business one day, or do you feel like your school is putting you in a position to be a good em- em- employee? And I mean, how do you feel? Like, do you feel school set you up to be a good businessman? Fuck no. What about you, Jay? Bros, this I can only when I was in grade school. Yeah. Like I, I think I mentioned this before. They don't teach you how to balance a checkbook, how to how to set up a checkbook, how to even address letters. So they don't teach you how to be your own. Thing they teach you how to communicate and work for somebody, how to go get a good job, not how to start and provide good jobs. Okay, okay, and think about how dangerous that's been for us, especially in our types of schools. And and I'm be honest with you, my son doesn't go to a predominantly black school. He he goes to a pretty, you know, it's a diverse school, but for the most part, like if you're in a public school setting and you're getting government education, more than likely they're really just setting you up to be an employer, and uh, I mean an employee. And unless you're coming from a family that has that business dynamic already there, like already laid out for you, then you're really not knowledgeable about business. Like me personally, like my son hears about the podcast and he asks me the ins and out of it. And I'm like, shit, I mean, damn near more like a nonprofit than anything. But for the most part, it gets you to thinking about like regulations. I mean, we're learning as we go. And for me, I'm like, Mexicans are doing that. It's, it's Indians doing that. Koreans are doing that. Like, I think the last time I went into a liquor store and it was a black owned liquor store was off. It was in the hood off Airtex. And I think that's the last black liquor store. I know that there are probably more, but it's very rare. Like you said, to see a, 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 a black owned liquor store or to even see a, a record store and think about, think about the record store right now. That's a dinosaur. Yeah. Who owns a fucking record store these days? Unless you're like in a hipster ass Austin or something. And we already know who probably owns those. So, once again, as as we as black people welcome in all this new innovation, it's killing us, and I feel like nobody's noticing that. And 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 I, that's why I say like when I really think about it, when I was thinking, listening to our episode last week, I was thinking about how like you know Larry was talking about you know immigration and you know how it should be, and I'm like I'm not against immigration, but at the same time, as black people that are on the same side as open borders and talking about immigration. 
I feel like at the same time we need to make sure that we actually have our foot our foot in 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 the, in in the ingrained in the sand to be like, yeah, we can wake up, welcome more people because we got our shit together. It's like, hold up, bro. We need to get our shit together first because we went backwards, bro. And, it, it, and the thing about immigration is just do it the right way. Do I think a wall is stopping you from doing it the right way? No, but to me, it's like, you, I don't feel like you should be able to come over, make all this money, not pay taxes because you're not, you know, registered anywhere and then just take it back home. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with you sending money home. Because that's what you should do. Take care of yourself. But, you know, if you're going to be here, contribute. And I'm not saying that, you know, no immigrants contribute. I'm not saying at all contribute. I know black people who do have their own businesses that don't pay taxes. Of course. We know how that goes. Yeah. yeah, So and and then, you know, there's they always talk about like Donald Trump has this multimillion dollar business and he probably doesn't pay any taxes. And you like you learn that from somewhere. Your dad had to tell you, hey, this is my accountant. You know, he's going to put you where you're not paying any taxes. You know, you're going to write this off and they're going to find all those legal loopholes. Now, with us, we they sell us on the, hey, if you go to H&R Block, we do your taxes. We'll give you a check today. Not not about, okay, well, you can write this off for your like how we're not taking the time out to be like, okay, let me, you know, itemize my deductions. Let me really look into this and see how can I get back the majority of this nine thousand that I paid in taxes and do something other than go lease a car that they're going to come repossess once this money is gone. We think so much in the present that we don't, we don't look towards the long term. And I think, I think you said it a couple of episodes back that we look for the quick hit yeah. and, and, and we don't dedicate ourselves to the long haul. And after the quick hit is gone and it's not, it doesn't turn out to what we want. We kind of abandon it. Yeah. That's, that's starting to really be, you know, definitely. I can I think it's an American thing, but I, I see it, First and foremost with us. And it's scary, dog, because, like, once again, to bring up Nipsey, like, I personally don't think that Nipsey was doing anything that any group of men can't do. Like, we got dudes in the hood that got, that are drug dealers, that that got the type, that have the type of money that Nipsey possibly had. Yeah, it's, it's, it's illegal, maybe got to launder it or whatever, to, you know, to, to, to keep it clean, but... A lot of these dealers and a lot of these dudes that's out here scamming, making big wads of money, could actually invest in better things. And it's like, but it's not a lot of rappers talking about that. Like rap culture is still is still literally talking about bands and blowing them bitches in the strip club. Like that's still. How do I say this? Do I think Nipsey is gonna bring about a change? I think it's gonna be very subtle and very slow because once again. Nipsey isn't talking about anything that a lot of conscious rappers aren't talking about. Like, there are a lot of conscious rappers that were talking about things that Nipsey are talking about. But for some reason, the bulk of hip-hop that's popular is the garbage shit that promotes that toxicity of just blow bands in a club and just, just you know, make it rain. And, that, and that's wild to me. It's also what people are throwing money at as well. I mean, rap is white-owned. I mean, we got to be honest about that. I, yeah, I just so, said that, yeah. I mean, it's what they're throwing money towards. They're not going to let you talk crazy about their kind or Jewish people and all this other stuff. You say that on the record. Your album is not coming out. <laughs> Jay-Z was the only one that got away with that. And we saw what happened to that album. That album basically was swept under the rug. I mean, you saw LeBron James apologize about, he said he made Jewish money or something like that. And oh, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Like, I'm bigging you up. Like, I'm saying, you're doing so well that I want to be like you. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. But see, you start, you start opening lower class black minds to the to the idea of how Jewish people 
are how they are and how they got their wealth. Because, I mean, there are a lot of Jewish people that did get reparations, you know, if I'm not mistaken, in, um, in Germany. And there are a lot of Jewish people that thrived off of the fact that, like, you know, they knew how to... Sh- they knew how to save, and they knew like it was it was common for when people talked about Jewish people how tight they were. Like Jewish people aren't fancy people. Like you, you I mean, if you watch episodes of Seinfeld, people were like super shocked at the fact that he would wear J's. But in a way, I just think that that was just a part of like the city culture, and it was like obviously he probably was close to Nike and Jordan, so it just made sense. But for the most part, Seinfeld was a pretty he was a pretty simple guy. Wasn't flashy. I mean. Although we know that he has a garage with 12 Porsches in it. That 12? This Jerry now does. You probably talking about like 50. Oh, shit. See? Think Jer- about that. That's crazy, dog. But it, but it's still not flashy, though. Like, it's still a hidden type of wealth. Like, you... I, I he, can't. He's not wearing his wealth on his chest. No, nah, that's what... Yeah. I think I think Jerry Seinfeld can go, go to some places like... Like in like I would say like average cities that are kind of mixed, and he could he'll blend in. Nobody fuck with him, and even know how much he's worth, cause he's just such a simple guy, you know. And and that's amazing to me, cause when you think about a guy that wealthy, that rich, can go places, blend in, and just be chill. And then a guy like Nipsey will go somewhere and get bum rushed, and Nipsey's wealth compared to Seinfeld's wealth is come on, like seriously, yeah. You know, so it's like black people we get a hit of fame, get a little bit of money. And we're getting bum rushed and everybody's looking at us for a handout. See, that's one thing that I've never even preached about. Like, I don't want rappers just these these millionaires just handing us handing stuff out. But I do I do wish that more of them would at least, you know, I can't knock LeBron for what he did with the school. But at the same time, like if you if you really wanna you'd be honest, you know, we as people have a tendency we do count pockets at times. And if you just look at the equivalent of what LeBron can do for his family and do for his community, does it really add up? Like you know, you know what I mean. Like even I, they, like I was looking at the report the other day where Bezos put out, you know, his taxes or whatever. I mean, you got to understand something. Bezos is married to the fourth richest woman in America, and in donations, man, their donations are equal to like I want to say I want to say they're, they're on their taxes for some reason. It said that he, I think he made uh, three hundred thousand, and then in donations it was like a thousand dollars. Like, that's literally, like, 0.0001% of his fucking wealth. And, like, it's like, hold on, man. Like, yeah, you're donating. Yeah, you're, you're, you're seen as a, um, as a, uh, what do you, a humanitarian. But it's like, what are you really giving, you know, to the equivalency of your wealth? Like, that's weird to me. That's like me dropping something off at the Goodwill and then just tooting on it for, like, the... For like twelve months, like two years. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I dropped that mattress off. It had some, it had some stains on it, but shit, <laughs> shit. I still gave two years ago. Like, bro, what's up, man? Like, really? Uh, once again, it's just, it's just, it's to bring it back to the point. I, I really feel like when I think about it, like, do do you guys think that there will? What, what do you guys think if you were to come off top of here right now? Is an immediate solution to where? We can have black people putting themselves in a position of like having a black Wall Street again, or like you know, and and you know, when when you think about you, you know about Black Wall Street, right, Jay? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so so, what do you think we need to do in order to really make that happen with the resources that we have right now? I mean, you got to start with the children. We tend to wait. We're on the receiving end of when all this shit is finished. Then we just purchase the fly shit. You have to be cultivating the fly shit. You have to be creating the fly shit. 
You got to be creating the technology, all that type of shit. You have to be already invested. You can't wait for the shit to come out and then fuck with it. It's too late. By the time it comes out, that means it's now just for profit. You got to be in it before that, basically. Makes sense. That makes sense. What you think, Jay? And also with that, you know, by the time that you that they come out with it, it's for profit. Like, yeah, you haven't been supporting it from ground level, and even if you are ground level, you 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 already want a discount. Like like most of, most of the time, if you if you catch something at ground level, they're probably selling it for at cost or mm-hmm. making the smallest of margin on it. Yeah. Because I'm just trying to get out there for right now. Yeah. Like like even with us when we were moving the shirts, we were selling them at cost. We weren't even making anything. Yeah. Hell, now we're just giving them shits away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we for just the purpose take, of marketing. Obviously. For the purpose of marketing, so you're just taking it out there. So to me, it's kind of like a little of what Sean said. You know, starting with the, with the youth, and then it's also. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Definitely. You'll definitely. sit there and you'll talk about it and, and make this. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this. We're going to get this together. You know, we're you know, we going to look in, and, and invest in this. And it's like, okay, where's your action? Where's your follow through? And then it's also diversification. Why are we making another chicken spot? Why are we making, you know, why we got, why we got a wing spot on top of a wing stop? A wing spot, not a wing stop, excuse me. Why are we, uh, why, why are black people only trying to own liquor stores and corner stores? You got the Patels that have all the gas station convenience stores. Why can't we get into that market? Yeah, yeah. Like, like in that book I gave you, um, I forget what it was called, but he says- Make shit you, happen. Make shit, make shit happen. If you see something, copy it and tweak it to yeah. fit you and your demographic. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with copying something, but make sure that you're copying it to fit your demographic, not just, oh, well, he did this in the Woodlands, so I can come in the third ward and do this. That's a different demographic. So you have to know your demographic. I had an aunt who was like, okay, I'm going to open up a coffee shop. Small town, she's going to open up a coffee shop. All right, cool. She say, well, you think you can be my accountant? No, ma'am, because I'm going to need to get paid for that. (laughs) That, but no, that's that's a, that's a serious real shit, job. Real shit, real shit. And then she's like, "Well, I'm looking into getting merchant processing." I said, "All right, cool. How many transactions do you think you're gonna you're gonna do a month?" Oh well, I don't know. I said, "Well, where are the other coffee shops in town?" Oh, they're over here. Did you go talk to them? Do you know how much? Like, we don't do enough research. Mm-hmm. We just get a wild hair and we go run with it. And then when it starts to fail, you don't know why. You don't do you didn't do enough research. Nobody wants this carrot smoothie out here. Your location is shit. Like it's only a <laughs> one way in and a one way out. It's not even on a major road. You don't want the carrot smoothie? So you have to God. you have to know where this place is. You're just not gonna be passing by and be like, oh, that looks like a good place. Or oh, this is next to the schoolhouse. They have coffee. I drop my kid off at school. I pick up a coffee on my way to work. It's on a straight line. Like you have to think about these things. And again. We're a flash in the pants kind of society right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give it three months. I'm not flipping a million dollar profit in three months. Then this this business is a dud. Selling it, yeah, yeah. That's that's crazy. Uh, I think I think just to simplify what I think we should do as a society, I think we need to become more strategic. Uh, me and Sean, uh, the the episode we recorded after that us episode, we, we was talking about you know white supremacy, and uh, one of the u- unique things about white supremacy is I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I think. I think everything that white supremacy is is what black power wishes they were. And I say that in a sense of them motherfuckers are so calculated, so strategic that although it's evil as fuck, it works. For instance, as you do your research on 
redlining districts. You know, y'all know what that is, right? And just think about the ideal of after Jim Crow laws were 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 done with, mm-hmm. how they still managed to kind of fuck us over and still put us in areas where we didn't see a high quality of life. I'm looking at this uh, this documentary the other day about uh, Jim Crow in the North, and uh, it's ba- it was basically based off the uh, the area where um, Prince was born, uh, St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota, right? Um, and they talked about how even after the Jim Crow laws were done with, they had it so well planned out to where although the Fair Housing Act had passed, it was still like, yeah, the Fair Housing Act passed, but we ain't got no money. <laughs> like We can't get no houses. So is it really fair that this Swedish immigrant couple could come in here, get a factory job, and then within six months they got a house in, a, in, a, in an area where it's well known that the American dream is here because none of y'all niggas over here. You know what I'm saying? And don't get me wrong. It wasn't just it wasn't just black people that were um, that were uh, ostracized. It was motherfucking. It was Chinese. It was Japanese. It was anybody of African descent. It was Moors, and it, it went pretty deep. If you wasn't of Aryan uh, of like Aryan or like Caucasian blood, you wasn't finna move over here, bro. Like it wasn't happening. And it said it in the paperwork. But you got to think about how how that uh, legal paperwork was in the fucking 1920s and 30s, and you just think about it now, like, motherfucker get a new Apple phone, and, and they start, you know, they say, read the uh, agreement or whatever. Motherfuckers ain't reading that shit. For and, what? It, and even if a motherfucker do read it, do we even understand it? Think about a black person in the 1930s, what type of education they had. You know what I'm saying? So when you think about that, and you think about how white supremacy put white people in the position, don't get me wrong, I saw gen- I saw genuine white people get on there talking about because people fail to realize that it's always it only takes a small group of people to 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 how do I say to enact the hatred that you know that some whites had for blacks like you could have a whole street of white people and then you got Billy Bob over here that got KKK ties and he bringing his brotherhood over here to cause ch- to cause shit. Because this one black family moved on the block. And there's all these other white people don't give a damn. But it's all it takes is one white guy, bring his brotherhood, and then you fuck. And that's what was happening a lot. Because it was a lot of white people that they were already benefiting from the white privilege. So what was they? It was like, okay, whatever. So what would end up happening is, for instance, this one bothered me the most. I was reading about, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, a lot of Houston has like a lot of, um, black historic districts and I don't know what I don't know what made me do this but I was I was out there like off of um what was it Emancipation Boulevard is that what it's called Emancipation Boulevard over here in, in like downtown area mm, don't get me to lie either way in my mind I was told you I was in Carlisle Pennsylvania you know a couple weeks ago and like I'm looking at their historic district most of their historic district was 1850s 1830s and I'm looking at our historic district, and it's like 1970s, 1960s. I'm confused. That's, I mean, historic. Like that shit, that wasn't that long ago when you really think about it. Why the 40 fuck? Forty years is, ago. Why the fuck is that history? Why the fuck is a black? Why is a, why is a, a historically black neighborhood now history? Now why is it washed away? Because 
in Houston, I want to say like in the 70s and 80s, when blacks were sort of thriving out here, once again, white supremacy as strategic as it is, they they realized that, you know, hey, they you know, Houston's booming, Houston's growing, and we wanna, you know, we wanna um how do I say it's kinda like AOC's new green deal or green new deal, whatever you call this shit. Um they basically, you know, kinda got into the market of, you know, hey, like we're starting to, you know, see uh, an uprising population uh, due to the, I want to say a lot of it had to do with the great migration of the 80s. Um, and that's kind of when my mama came in as a Nigerian immigrant and came, you know, into to the, to the states. And um, a lot of that caused people to realize, okay, pollution is starting to grow. So one of the people that invented the incinerator for landfills came out here and was like, you know what? We need places to put these landfills. So what they would do is... They would hold town hall meetings, and no black people know about the town hall meetings because back then, kind of like now, a lot of black people weren't really fucking with politics, weren't really involved in politics, and the few black people that were involved in politics weren't really, really focused on the community level. A lot of them was focused on the city level. So these white people would come in there, and they would have these votes about, hey, where do y'all want to put these landfills? And they have maps up and shit, like, you want to put them here, here, here? They're like, well, shit, I don't stay there. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why not? And they were purposely placing landfills in black neighborhoods. And the pollution and the toxins in these black neighborhoods were, were you know, they obviously were affecting the blacks and the Hispanics that were out there. And that's why I asked you about the, uh, uh, the other day about white flight. And, like, basically, the white people were catching on to this that were in those neighborhoods. They're like, well, shit, we can afford to move. So when they just... You know, just move out. Because you got to understand, Homestead, Fifth Ward, a lot of these places were predominantly white for a long time until shit like this start happening. They start putting inconvenient little little props in these neighborhoods to where, well, these neighborhoods are becoming shitty now. It's a bunch of trash all over the place. So I don't want to stay, no, stay here no more. I want to move somewhere that, that's safer for my kids. And then while I'm at it, I get to get away from these black people. You know, and once that's why I say, like, White supremacy is strategic as fuck because that shit gets swept under the rug. And you look at this shit now, it's historic now, but it's still black people over there suffering. So that shit just, you know, you know, history lesson from Welly. But I just felt like that's important to realize, like, we're so worried about the, the, the like, just having shit. And instead of instead of us being worried about having shit, like I said, I think my solution is we need to become more strategic. And I think that means not only getting into politics on a, on a local level, because I think politics on a local level is way more important than on the state level, because we don't have enough we don't have enough money, we don't have enough resources to really make that much of an impact. Because even our black leaders that are in politics is you know, they they the ones that's real coons, you know. Don't get me started on that, but. Uh, let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> Cause I, I just I just feel like as 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 black people, we we do a, we do a, we, we we know a lot and we, we do a lot, but it's it's not in a direction that really matters. You know what I mean? And I feel like once again to bring it back to Nipsey, like Nipsey was doing something that all of us could be doing. And why aren't we doing it? It seems like a lot of the stuff we do is lateral. Like it keeps us on the same level. And it's, it's nothing that's like taking a step up to, to, to being more or to doing more. Yeah, yeah. That's or to scary. building the community. That's real scary. So, 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 so the primary question is, I mean, now, do, now, do you think that we're to the point where would segregation be better? 
I mean, I think it was. I mean, I believe the families were more thriving back in segregation times. And was that due to the fact that we didn't have to worry about white people? Or any other race for that matter? I mean, less pollution can get in because the family unit was so tight. So, kind of, yeah. And I, I think you set your own tone. It wasn't like, you know, John Smith over there has got the new Audi, so, you know, I need to bust ass to get this Audi that John Smith got over there. No. My pops drove a Ford. I drove. I drive a Ford. You know, Dante up the block drive a Ford. You know, I'm I'm on, I'm on the same playing field. They're like again, this is a whole lateral thing. But you know, when you're trying to keep up with somebody else, you start making sacrifices that are are outside of your pay grade. Because yeah, John Smith has the Audi. John Smith makes a lot more money than I do. You know, I'm over here. I'm gonna try to go into debt or start trying to sacrifice other things just so I can keep up with him because we might work together. That was the importance of the white family and us. Remember, you was asking about that. I, mm-hmm. I was saying like that. That was the importance of the white family and us. That was like kind of like that toxic masculinity. But it was to me, it was it wasn't even really toxic masculinity. It's just that as black people, we have that competitive nature. We're always trying to keep up with people, and we really don't know the big picture. When you're dealing with a white guy that already has an advantage over you, y'all can have the same exact job and making the same amount of money. But guess what? He probably got a better deal on his loan for his house, so he's probably paying less for his house. He that yacht that he has probably got a, a better a better deal on it. I posted something on Twitter today about how, um, in, even in the housing market to this day, to this day, <laughs> that the the more uh, affluent neighborhoods, the 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 real estate agencies in the more affluent neighborhoods, when you look at their profit compared to what they're charging people in the the lower class poor neighborhoods, it's ridiculous. Like. You're looking at like if you're at a poor if you're in a poor neighborhood, and you know like you know maybe like inner city Houston, those those realtors are probably making three four hundred dollar profit. Man, you could be out there in the suburbs of of Katy, and those realtors are only making like a four or five dollar profit, like legit, like seriously, it's that bad. It's like damn, like so basically, if if you don't have the money, then at this point it's like why do you even, why do you even have a house? Because more than likely you're just fucking yourself in the long run by getting this. This old, this old house that's probably floods easy, not all that, you know, it's it's already old, probably been passed over by seven, nine different owners, but these fresh new neighborhoods, the, these realtors aren't even trying to make that big of a profit off it because they know they're servicing their own. Yeah. That's and, why I was telling people in one of my last episodes to look up the etymology of the word mortgage, mortgage. Yeah. and you will see what this shit really all about. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I looked it up and I was kind of confused. Um, I know it meant so it has something to do with uh, property. Like basically you are, you're basically give, you're basically in place of you're giving, you're getting something in order to maintain property. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're loaning you some in order to get property. Like that's kind of how, what I got from it. So when you said, look it up, um, I was trying to figure out what you really was getting at. Basically it's like a pledge to death. You're giving up your life for this other Damn, shit. I didn't catch that. You're pledging it to death. That's yeah. That is what death. Yeah, that is basically what it says. Yeah. I, didn't, I mean, when you think about it like that, yeah. That's why I said you're not really mortgaging the house. You're mortgaging yourself. Yeah. Cause you're stuck to that. Yeah. And then when you die, what happened? And most. That's what I'm gonna say. Also, most people don't even pay their house off before they die. So I mean, I'm be honest with you, man. A lot of homeowners that are getting in the houses right now, unless unless they got the unless they got the guap like that. Man, it's a good chance that you finna be paying that for about 40, 50 years. And not only that, 
with the um, even if you look at the life expectancy now, it's safe to say that I can't even. Matter of fact, I'm not even gonna look at the life expectancy. I'm looking at the way of life, the quality of life. You were talking about on the other episode about how motherfuckers don't even sleep good no more. Yeah. You just think about how the the just think about the suicide rate today. Think about the stress levels of your average American today. You know, like, you're, and these are people that are owning homes. And you got to think about what these what these mortgage loaner, mortgage lenders are thinking in the back of their head. Like, this motherfucker's probably going to kill her husband in 15 years. You know, <laughs> end up in prison. This house is going to be mine again. I can flip it again. That okay. was the whole housing bubble crash because the people who were lending the money out were betting against the people saying that they couldn't pay it off. They were betting against it. And they had, they had lost. Yeah. And then that's why they, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's all fucked up. Yeah, it is. It like is. Like, they were giving people houses that they knew couldn't pay it off. They would give them the loan, and then they would bet against that loan, knowing that they couldn't pay it off. So they would get money from that. But the actual housing bubble, you know, obviously it, it burst it. What was the movie so, that they had on that? Never mind. I probably it's called, um, it's a documentary. I can't remember the name of it right now, though. Yeah, it, that was a good one. I had watched it, and I still didn't really understand it in the end, but I remember how life was at that time. That was like 2008. And I remember how life was at that time. I'm like, damn, like I saw a lot of, when you ride around neighborhoods, I saw a lot of for lease and for sale signs because motherfuckers had to pick up and bounce because their interest rates went through the fucking roof. Well, well, the way it's, the way they set it up is that you will get this, um, you'll get what they call a 20 year loan with a five year, um, with a five year amortization rate. So for five, so They'll say the loan is going, the full loan is going to be paid off in twenty years, mm-hmm. but in five years it's going to reprice. And so that's 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 I'm not going to say that's how they get you, but if you're able to get a fixed rate and hold on to that for the life of the loan for thirty years, you won because yeah. right now rates are going to go up. Definitely. So if you got this twenty year loan that's going to reprice in five years, chances are when it reprices, rates are going to be higher. Your mortgage is going to be higher, so you're going to be paying a higher mortgage on an older house. Did did Trump do anything in the past four or five years to where he the him and the feds got together and like have a fixed right now to where it's either went lower or it's at one spot? No, nah, it's just an economic cycle. Okay, it, it it's stuff that when like the back end of Bush, when the the crisis happened like yeah. in two thousand and eight, yeah, the back end of Bush happened, rates hit the floor. Okay, so it now rates get a house. That was the best time to get a house. But those because you could you could find you could finance a house for three and a quarter for twenty years. Okay. Now you know now rates are creeping back up. I think prime is five point five zero. Okay. So that's the bare minimum you're gonna finance a house for. And it's been prime. like that for about three years now, right? It's been like that for about three years now, and then slowly the Fed are raising rates up. Slowly they'll do like a a a point and a half, one point two five percent maybe per year. So rates are slowly creeping back up now. And like I said, it's cyclical. So here in the near future, we're going to have another crash per se. And we're supposed to be allegedly ready for it this time. But how can you, are, are you ever ready for a crash? Yeah, even with airbags? I know. It's still going to hurt a little bit. It's still going to hurt. So then you'll have the crash and then the rates will start going down. Because people's like, look, I can't afford to buy a house now. Because everything is high. I can't afford to buy a house. So then the house market is like, okay, nobody's buying houses. So it's not really a, it's not really a buyer's market. And so it was like, all right, so we got to start dropping dropping rates. If I'm trying to sell these houses, I'm trying to move out. If I'm trying to build new houses, you know, nobody can't go in finance. Nobody's paying ten percent on the house. Fuck no. 
So they start dropping rates. So then you start buying houses again, and it's Damn, just a 10%. cycle. Jesus. And that documentary, I believe, it's called Inside Job. Oh, okay, okay. On okay. Netflix. Okay. Damn. Yeah, man. That's I, I brought that up. That's that's white supremacy at work right there, bro. I'm sorry. Like, there's no way around it. Like, think about it. Like us three, even together, like we kind of comprehend it, but it's not our language. No. It's not something we would write. Like, that's not black people stuff. Like, that is literally. I want to say it's. I might even say it's German because when you really look at the history of America, like uh, what those Nazis and shit, they're they play a big picture. They they're a part of a big picture when it comes to shit that's behind the scenes, and it's pretty fucking scary because um, it's hard to believe. It's really hard to believe. I mean, it's hard to believe that America will go to war with a country, and then when the war is over, they would actually provide refuge to those to some of those people for 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 some of their knowledge or whatever. Like that shit, that shit's scary, bro. Like a lot of the, a lot of the experiments that were done on black people in the early 1900s and you know in mid 1900s, whatever. That was a lot of that shit was what they call the eugenics. Yeah. That was that's all that's all Hitler, right? Mm, yeah. I, I want yeah I want to say most of that is Hitler, and it's like damn, like it was another person I can't remember her name, but she was like a big, a big factor in the eugenics movement. Damn, that's scary. damn. I, I forgot her name though, but she wrote books and all kind of stuff. And she and I want to say certain people who are in power right now follow her. Hillary, so you have to, Hillary and Obama, right? No, I mean yeah, um, even other people too. Like a lot of people follow you. Like damn, if you if you knew who this person was, you would know. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's that's crazy, dog. And damn, it's like I can't remember her name. It's it's insane to think like you know yeah, Jews hold a, a, a certain amount of power in America. There's no denying that. But it's even crazy to know like the backbone of America is uh, has a lot a, a lot of Nazi influence and. That that's why that's why it's so easy to look at Trump and be like, man, you're a Nazi, and and even within it's like the 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 influence of foreign culture in general, even with the Russian shit, like that shit is powerful in America, and it, it, when you think about that as a whole, where do black people fall in that? They're at the bottom of that. It's automatic. There's nothing. There is nothing in the government or in America's in a, in the when you look at America from you know the outside looking in like. There is nothing in place to make it better for blacks. Like it's not like they, 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 and it's not even like they're purposely trying to keep us down. It's just like we're an afterthought. We're irrelevant. They just, they really just need our money to come back into their pockets. And that's why I'm like, dude, like one of the main things that we have to do, if we're not even supporting our own, it's insane because we have to just be able to spend money better. And I think we really suck at the way we spend money. And, um, I think I'm personally trying to get better with that myself, but it's it really bothers me the way we spend money, and we we still look at it like it's cool. Like I rarely ever see black people go to black businesses and uh, how do I say this? Jay said something about discounts. Like I think it goes far beyond just a discount. I think it goes far beyond even customer service because I told you like I went to a dry cleaner like about I was going to a dry cleaner like faithfully for like. You know, I, I go to dry cleaning like once a month, but mm-hmm. I, I was going there for like six months because it was close to my job and their system was pretty nice. But then I went to that bitch one time and this Korean lady was like super, super, super rude. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I was like, man, you know, you know just get my shit. I'm going about my business. I'm going to find somewhere else. And I did find somewhere else. You know, it wasn't a black owned uh, dry clean, but it was this Hispanic lady and she was super nice, you know, and like, you know, she was very welcoming and it made me feel like I need to come back. So, for me, it's like, I can't use, 
that as an excuse discounts the customer service because for me, I mean, I don't care who you are. If your customer service sucks, your customer service sucks. I'm not going to let a white person or a Korean person treat me badly and I'm still going to come back. I'm not going to let a black person do it either. So I think the, I think we, we as black people just need to have more choices. If we if we saw more black businesses rather than a turkey leg hut or, or, or a wing spot, like, like you said, we need to be more diverse with our businesses. I mean, I would like to go to a... Um, actual business lot and see a, a black owned tax you know play, people doing taxes I, I know one of my house that's Mexican owned and they do taxes I'm like damn where the black people at but when you think of a black owned tax place do you think they're automatically shady honestly I thought the Mexican one was shady and the reason I felt the Mexican one was shady because this is this the thing I think black people scary I think black people are terrified of, of, of the government and you're not finna see no Enron and it's going to be black people in the forefront. It's not going to happen. Black people, for the most part, are very, very scary. Because they, they they know that when they do some dumb shit, they finna get R. Kelly. They finna get plastered everywhere. So I think, for the most part, if a black person gets into some, some shit like that, the business partner's probably a white guy that probably fucked them over. <laughs> That's just my opinion. There, there was a fall guy. Yeah, but Mexicans, though, the reason I say Mexicans will probably be shadier is because Mexicans are loyal to their people. And if a Mexican is doing taxes, more than likely... They're about to do taxes for an illegal. It's a good chance they're going to do taxes for an illegal, and they're going to have to cut some corners to make sure that one of their one of their own is 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 good. And I'm not just making this shit up. Like I've witnessed this. Like I know, uh, I knew I knew about these uh, two Mexican tax preparers that were like uh, in Little Mexico at their airline that everybody was going to because they were getting like an extra two three thousand dollars on their taxes, yeah. and they end up the reason they did that was because most of their clients were illegals. So their whole system was set up to where we're basically doing, we're, we're basically doing taxes illegally anyway. So, and they would tell people, it's about a 30% chance you're going to get audited if you come to us. Like they would tell people that shit. But once again, it made sense because a bulk of their business was illegal people. So of course you're going to be doing illegal shit. How does that work if somebody else audits, I mean, prepares your taxes and you get audited? Are they, they're not even liable for that at all? From uh, that's a J question. From my understanding, if they're not certified and they don't sign off on those taxes, like at, at the bottom of the form is like you know this was prepared by such and such, and they sign off on it. If they mm -hmm. just like here, here's your taxes, you're on your own, then you're on your own. But if they sign off on it, I think they come to the auditor. I mean, the accountant first who prepared the taxes. And, and, and once again, I think you still have to be a legit uh, accountant, right, to actually be doing it. You have to be certified. Yeah, and I remember Tay, like Tay was, she was, she was. I was talking to Tay one time, and she was like kind of laughing about that. She was like, a lot of these people that be doing taxes aren't even real CPA. So if you get fucked, they ain't liable. Yeah. Everybody know the hood tax lady that's getting you eight thousand back. Yeah, yeah, and and you're gonna be the one that gets fucked. But in this case, I never did. That. I never. I'm not playing with the government. I'm I'm good on that. What I, just, see, exactly. what I just say, I don't either. I don't either, bro. Like it, like with me, like I've never been the type of person like oh, I'm finna carry your kids. Like that's just not in my nature because I'm like I'm just trying to do this shit as flawlessly as possible. I don't want them knocking on my door. They say the IRS are bullies, bro. And, and even with that, like I mentioned earlier, we don't understand all the loopholes. So we was like, look, I'm just going to take the H&R &R block. I'm going to do this easy form, and I'm going to keep it pushing. Like, I'm, you know, hey, if I get $300 back, I get $300 back. I'm not trying to do a whole lot of extra without, you know, sit with the time and the knowledge. I'm not trying to do that. So, you know, I'm just going to do whatever and just keep it moving. Not for the Wesley's, not me. Bruh. Fool ass. <laughs>
nigga's an idiot. <laughs> that nigga, he stopped, he stopped his career because he didn't want to pay taxes. <laughs> and the Lauren Hill was a part of some fucking cult, I think. That shit he was thought stupid. he was Blade for real. <laughs> like my nigga. Marvel can't save you from this <laughs> they shit. They really you can. will get touched. You really, they really cannot, man. Episode was kind of heavy, man. Anyways. You got your, y'all, y'all got y'all Infinity War t- I mean, your in-game tickets yet? Yeah, I got them. When, when you going? The Friday. What's that, the 26th? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Friday. You got uh, yours? Friday morning, 9 o'clock. Damn, you take mm. off. Nah, this, it's my regular Friday off. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I might need to bring a pillow, though. That's going to be a hell of a ride. Oh, you got, you got to drive a little far? No, nah, I'm talking about... It's a three-hour movie. Yeah, the length oh. of the movie. Oh, okay. I'm not going to drink anything. Yeah. I'm not going to eat anything. Damn. Make sure I take my morning shit before I go. Wow. <laughs> wow. We going to do the breakdown or y'all just going to watch See, it? See, that's how we practice for it. That's our triathlon. We watching the damn three-hour movie. <laughs> but We're not going outside. We prepared that. We prepared But like, like Kev on stage said, like growing up in black churches and being in there all day long. Oh, we prepared. We prepared. Oh, yeah. yeah. We yeah. ready. All them black churches, man. What what's, what's crazy about doing the breakdown? Because I remember seeing Infinity War mm-hmm. and just how just how how strong that movie pushed. Like when people when I go to work say, "Oh, y'all seen Infinity War?" If one person said they ain't seen it, like nobody would talk about it. Yeah, it's, it's, like people were just that dedicated. It's like I'm not gonna spoil it for you. Yeah, it's I, I really feel like it's fucked up that there's a leak online right now that's circulating. I've heard it. Yeah, I, it's but it's. It's easy to avoid leaks, though. Like, you're, I don't click on shit that... It says it's a leak. It's going to tell you. Like, I'm not clicking on that shit. I really, don't, I really don't like clicking. When I'm on a website, I don't like clicking out of it. If I'm on an app, I don't like clicking out of it. Like, it's, it's actually one... It's, it's one... Um, um, on Twitter, there's this one um, screen rent. I, I troll them all the time because all they do is post clickbait. I can't so, wait till they put you on Twitter. So, girl. what I do is... Every time they post one of their bullshit clickbait articles, I click into their shit, I highlight their article, and I post it on their on their uh, post. So nobody has to click on their shit, and that makes them that makes them lose traffic. I do that shit because it's annoying. It's like, dog, stop doing that bullshit. Just post what the fucking article is about. If I'm interested, then I will further dive into it. But they purposely post shit that's like it's you know when you see clickbait, bro. I've I've seen you do it before. I, I do. I hate screen rent is the worst with it, dog. And like, I, I will do it to a couple of others, but screen rent is the worst because a lot of times all screen rent does is take some shit they saw from IGN or from Rotten Tomatoes and just puts it in their own words. I'm like, bro, like, just post what the shit is about because your page is still going to get traffic regardless. But when I post this article in your fucking in your feed, niggas will be like, oh, I know what it's about. I don't gotta go to your bullshit page. A lot of these articles are also automated to where that's why the words look a little shaky sometimes. Like, you read a sentence, you be like, that, that sentence don't even make sense. It's because a lot of it is automated. They just putting shit together. Dog, Twitter has introduced me to a level of bots that I never thought were real. Twitter like, is bot central. Sheesh, I'm like, man, like, it'd be people on there that don't, their, their sentences don't make any sense, like, and then you'll go to their page and all you see is fucking um, Hebrew, I'm like, bro, what's going on? Or you see Russian or Greek, I'm like, these boys out here wilding. And once again, I don't like clicking off in the third party shit and you gotta be real careful on Twitter. And luckily, I got an Apple phone, so... I imagine if I had something else, I'd probably have viruses all through my shit. What a lot of these people do is they build a followers and they just sell the account. And then it switches to something else. Yeah. A lot of people buy accounts from other people. Stuff like that. That shit wild. Bruh. A couple weeks ago on Twitter, they had the whole sipping dick going on. What? Where apparently, you know how they do the sipping paint or whatever? (laughs) They they do the sipping paint, but apparently these women were at a sipping dick and like... 
it was just strippers while they were supposed to be painting some shit. Oh, yeah, I think I heard uh, Joe Budden them talking about that, something like that. You want to dive into that pause? <laughs> Bro, I was like, it was like, all right, that's enough Twitter for the day. I'm not going back. I need something else to happen so this blows <laughs> over because I didn't want to see that on my timeline. It's like, and it's like, you don't even have to follow filthy people or filthy shit for that shit to reach you. Like, it's like, I'm not following anybody filthy and it still hits my timeline. Bro, that's, that's just worse than Japanese porn, bro. Like, what the fuck is going on, bro? Like, Luckily, I don't have social media. I don't I don't have to deal with none of this little knucklehead shit bro, going on. that shit is annoying. Like, I, really, I be, you got to be in and out of Twitter, bro. Like, because you're going to see some pure fuckery within 30 minutes, bro. And it's like, if I wanted to look at pornography, I know where to go to see that. Oh. I don't want to see that here. Matter of fact, I was reading uh, this uh, blog about um, how... Remember when um, I think Duval put out that post about the um, porn traffic? And he was basically saying like uh, around um, the, the oh, shutdown, with the shutdown? Uh, yeah. how much um, porn was being watched or whatever. But he said realistically, I was reading a blog and it was like realistically, you really can't use that porn Pornhub um, traffic thing because in reality... It's so much porn being, you know, funneled out into the internet that it's not even being calculated into that math because you get porn on Tumblr, you get porn on Twitter, you get porn on Facebook, and just to be honest with you, like, the 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 volume of porn being watched in America is probably always constantly rising, bro, because, like, you don't even want to see this shit, and you just click, bam, penis, click, bam, vagina, like, that shit is wild, dog, and, like, that shit that you just talked about, like, that shit is just, it's insane to me because, like, Twitter is not even really age-restricted. So, if you got a 14, 13-year-old on Twitter, he's seeing all this shit. That's why it's like, that was my issue with the sexual sexual liberation movement. Like, it's not only, like, I feel like, in a sense, sex should be regulated. Not necessarily regulated, but, like, we got to have, like, more of a moral compass when it comes to sex because niggas out here wilding, bro, like, you gotta think about it. you talk about sipping whatever, and you're at at a um, uh, what they call a painting with a twist. It's like dog, that's a I got one by my house, and I just I saw kids in there today. Like you're telling me that the same environment where where kids can go and have a, a paint with you know to uh, paint with a twist party, the same that same environment you got fucking strippers in that bitch and shit. Like what the fuck? Like where do we draw the line? I've never seen that shit in my life. That's like some sex in the city type shit. That shit? What you mean? I've never seen a location before. Anything. Oh, paint with a twist? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got two by me. They got they got different names. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, um, they're really, um, how do I say it? It's almost like a like a Shipley's Donut house. Yeah, they have their, their hours. So, you probably... And, and I think you reserve, like, yeah, hey... You probably pass it by and don't notice it because they're usually probably turned off and they're not there. They're so seasonal, like, you know... If your paint with a twist got <laughs> got a condom jar, <laughs> if your paint with a twist got tinted windows, you, yeah, bro, you probably shouldn't be in there, dog. I'm telling you, like, ugh. but you you said it, Jay. They gotta know their demographic. So if that's a black owned business, I mean, I can't be mad at them. Black women be horny, bro. Women be horny in general, but we we see on Twitter black women be out here wild. And I appreciate y'all for that, ladies. Stay out there. <laughs> Thank you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So if if Stay that diligent. if that environment is something that they want and there's a business for that, then that's fine. I just once again I just hope that it's not interweaved with 
one where, you know, a little group of 14-year-old girls is going in that bitch just trying to learn some arts and craft. Arts and cocks. <laughs> <sighs> Once again. That's the store I'm opening. I'm opening that one. Black business. Support me. <laughs> they gonna be that whole quick. They gonna be no hesitation. The paintbrush gonna be shaped like dildos and all type of shit. I got y'all, ladies. I got uh, y'all covered. Also, clockwork orange type shit, bro. Boys out here wilding. All the face painting you want, everything. <laughs> talk about some of y'all to get that target you know. practice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, man. Shit's wild out here. Yeah, yeah, shit is very wild, man. Um, I, I guess as as we come to a close, I think the only other thing that um that I felt was um, needing it to be talked about was um we talked about Infinity War, but you see that shit trending about Lion King, about how they did Scar. <laughs> uh-uh. I, I gotta talk about that shit, man. Matter of fact, just, do you do you anticipate going to see Lion King? I want to see Lion King because Sean wanted to see Lion King. He actually shocked me with that answer. <laughs> be honest with you, because I I really my my movies for that month I gonna say it was Brightburn and probably you know watching Ma. You know, just you know, just to have something to talk about. But I, I watched Lion King, and then I was reading earlier today that it's not a copy and paste. Like I said on Twitter, I felt like I'm getting tired of copy and paste shit. I want some differences. I want it to be. I want Lion King. I want us to think we're going in there thinking we're going to see the same movie to see a little bit of something different. But the thing is, when they give you a little bit of something different, well, that wasn't in the first movie. You know, you hear all of that, and it's like, man, shut the fuck up. With this progressive society we stay in, I find that contradictory to even be like that because it's like, y'all so open-minded towards all this other bullshit. Why can't y'all be open-minded to the fact that Scar doesn't have a black mane? Like, really? It's a black mane. It's really, is, that, is that realistic? He doesn't look like he looked in the cartoon. And there was even, no, there's a debate, Sean, about him being a homosexual. Like, that's not right because he's not gay. And I'm just trying to figure out in that two-minute footage where he was, where, how did you know he ain't gay? I, I was so confused. I haven't even seen it. I try to stay away from trailers and all me, that me stuff. Me too, but once again, when you're on Twitter. where you Now, I know what you're saying. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, one trailer is enough for me, but I did, I did see it. I didn't have a problem with it. I felt it looked realistic because I thought... For one, if you say something is a live action, then my mindset is okay. It's live action, so I'm finna get you know people are people are actually on there saying I thought this was a live action, and I'm like yeah, live action meaning like graphics and shit like mm-hmm. looks realistic. Not we taught these lions how to act. Oh god, the IQ level of current society baffles me. It's like y'all niggas thought we was for to actually have hyenas in it, bitch. Just sit there, just chilling, we <laughs> teaching them how to talk. Like really? We voice over the real hyenas. <laughs> wow. But yeah, man, that, that, I, I felt like that was um that was interesting. So you didn't hear nothing about that. Mm-mm. Yeah, they they really out here wilding, man. They, they they upset that Scar doesn't Scar is not a queer and he doesn't have a black mane. And they say they really don't like his voice. They say nobody can replace Jeremy Irons. But it is weird that they, they they chose James Earl Jones again, though. I feel like they had to choose James Earl Jones again. James Earl Jones is just legendary. He is. He just. He is. Boy got the golden voice, man. He really does. I feel yeah, like it's like him and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. you could have went with Morgan, but I guess you still kind of wanted to have that. Bro, if you would have made Morgan Freeman Rafiki. Hmm. Who is Rafiki? Uh, I forgot who they said Rafiki was. <sighs> Shit. I just, so the main two are Beyonce and Donald Glover, though, right? Allegedly. Yeah, obviously they don't, they don't want you to hear Beyonce. That's Donald Glover plays Young Simba. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, because Donald Glover could actually sing. 
So that makes sense. So I don't know who plays old. I don't know who plays old Simba. I, I imagine he should be able to play both of them though. So did y'all see Guava Island? Mm mm. Okay. It, it 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 didn't it didn't look too captivating, but it looked like it. Huh? What the fuck is that? Oh, it's a uh, it's a it's a um. Basically, like a short film with uh, Ronald, with Donald Glover and Rihanna. Oh. And uh, it's about um, he. I think he's an immigrant. He comes out here and he's trying to. He tries. He gets out here and he's kind of struggling. He's trying to make some fast money. And um, I guess him and you know he's trying to fuck with Rihanna at the same time, which most guys would. Yeah. Uh, so the only complaint I heard she has was a chest tattoo. Who? Rihanna. Oh yeah, she does. She smokes too. That's what the thing said, though. I'm just mm-hmm, saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, but it was it was specifically the Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime Video. Like you don't have Amazon Prime Video, right? I do. Okay, so like specifically, if you have Amazon Prime Video, then you could watch it for free for those two days. Or I mean, if you got Amazon Prime Video, you could watch it or rent it, I guess. And uh, that got me to thinking, though, man. Like, I like the way that some of these people do that. I like the way that these businesses do that. Like. I like the way that um, in order for you to watch like Jack Ryan, that you have to have an Amazon Amazon account, or you want to watch Game of Thrones, you got to have an HBO account. And I feel like that that exclusivity makes it to where a motherfucker actually says, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna get this trial for these seven days, and that that, that builds up traffic on their site. So I feel like that's a that's a good business move. But I don't like the segregation of the shit. You got to have fucking fifty different apps and shit. Man, but and you got to have fifty different incomes. You got to pay for all this shit. <laughs> That is true, and you I really do. You really do. And I realized I went to Whataburger uh, last week, and I was in drive through. I ordered. She's like, "You got our app?" And I was like, "No, I got your app." And she's like, "All right, I'll tell you about it." And I'm like, "Damn, everybody has an app." I think I even tweeted that. Like, yeah, yeah, everybody yeah. has an app. Everybody yeah. has an app, and um, I think I think that a lot that has to do a lot with the um with the growth of vegan culture, with a lot of people like kind of getting away from fast food. I think to have those reward points is starting to kind of bring people back in because there's there although you're still gonna you know get fat and die you have this reward where you can get more food to get fat and die <laughs> but no no in all reality I mean you feel like you're being appreciated for your dollar and I think that's like that may even be a credit card thing like that's you know credit cards and airlines like people realizing that okay I'm spending this a thousand dollars with y'all I'm only getting ten dollars back but shit you know. I still feel like y'all appreciate me somewhat because, go ahead, Sean, you shaking your head. Now, I was just going to say, apps are also the new advertisements, too. I mean, they get to send, you know, alerts and shit to you and all that type of shit. True. They just, they're keeping it on your mind, even when you're not thinking about it or even want the shit. They sending, you know, enticing shit to you. Yeah, and they're making it more convenient for you, too. Yeah. Yeah, because, um, like I said, I, I, when I was in uh, Pennsylvania, you know, I'm, I'm listening to these people talking. They, they were telling me how they was, you know, taking trips. And one dude was like, shit, I'm going to take my whole family to London on reward points. You know, that I got off, you know, frequent flyer miles. And I'm like, that makes sense because in, in all honesty, you think that you're doing it for free, but you didn't. You pay for it in the long run. Like, they, they, they made their price one thing, but in the under, yeah, you're getting this $9, $10 back, but they really pumped the price anyway. You pay for this trip in advance. You just don't know. You, you paid $700 to fly first class on probably what was maybe a $200 trip in our actuality. Exactly, exactly. So, and that, that, that's like when I used to travel a lot and stay in hotels. Like, I'd get all these reward points. So, when I'd go on vacation, oh, yeah, the hotel's covered. Cause, yeah. But it's even better when your job's paying for it. It's even better. Yeah. It is the best. Actually. Just saying. It's, it, it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, just saying. Just saying. But, uh, like I said, I may not really appreciate all the apps. I don't have all the apps. Like I said, all I have is a Chick fil A. I said Chick fil A. Chick fil A. I had Zoe's for a little while. 
But they wouldn't offer me shit. That wasn't any incentive. Nigga need this free shit. I don't know about just points that just stack up. I got a couple gas station ones where I didn't have to have an app. As long as I put my number in, then I'm good. Um, but uh, yeah, that that shit definitely took off more than I thought it would, and I think that's a uh, it's it's a unique touch to to business, you know. Like you said, apps are the new are the new uh, marketing strategy. Could be a little annoying though. It's very annoying. I'm an app snob. I try to. I I look for. I look through my phone every day to see if I can delete apps. Yeah, some just. I don't want this shit on my phone. Sometimes, sometimes I just delete all apps, and then it's like, all right, as I use them, okay, boom, I'm finna get on Instagram. Let me download it. Okay, I, I know I need this one. Yeah. I, let me check my I bank balance. I know I need this app because some of them you download and then it's like just here, and it's like. Shh. App's been here forever. Yeah, yeah. It's all about real estate. Like, you can't just have real estate in my fucking consciousness all day <laughs> or on my phone. Bruh. No. You got to pay for this shit. And the, and the funny thing is, when you delete a social media app, if you give it, I say 48 hours, that itch to check it leaves. Like, if you can survive that first 48 hours, that itch is like, oh, let me get on Instagram, see what's popping. Let me, if, and I see you've never had the social media, so you don't have that itch at all. But, like, for people like me, like, if I delete it, uh-huh. and I just, you know, after 48 hours, then it's like, all right, whatever. Because I'm not doing anything but scrolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Might like some shit, might not. I think there's going to be a cutoff where I just delete all of them, though. I think eventually, I think, I, I like Twitter because it makes content creating a lot easier just by the buffoonery that I see on there. Like, I got episodes for days in my head, but you know, just because of, just because people are constantly giving me the the content. So it, although I don't really like to sit here and, and talk about necessarily what's trending, it, it still kind of gives me a mind frame to be like, huh, you know, I would have never thought about that if it wasn't for for social media. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad that for me, I mean, I'm not knocking people that kind of how do I say this? If you get on Twitter and you're heavily on Black Twitter, you're pretty much gonna see one thing. You know what I'm saying? Like. Everybody's gonna be posting the same thing. Sipping dick. <laughs> you got the hard pause every time you say that, please. Pause, pause, pause. I I do one for you, bro. Can't be out here doing that, man. But that digital real estate, it's a real thing. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I I do I do appreciate what it does for me because I feel like I filter my shit out pretty well, and I feel like I follow so many different types of people that I'm getting all kind of different information. So. It, it, it's fun. I, I can imagine, but I know my black Twitter. Like if I'm I'm looking at somebody, I'm like, okay, that they're gonna be talking about that shit for the next two three weeks. So it, some weird shit may pop up, but for the most part, I like the fact that it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a good mix. At this point, though, what is not social media? Everything is social media these days. Really? We have a podcast. People can comment on our podcast and you know leave comments and all this other shit. That's social media. Yeah, right? the 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 digital world and the real world definitely have have finally kind of like mushed. Like it's just it's really just one. Whether people want to admit it or not, it's one. But the reality of it is, when you are in the real world, you're definitely going to carry yourself a different way because consequences are a lot different. Like yeah, it's I said what I said until you got punched in the mouth. You could have said what I said on Twitter all day, but you say that shit to the wrong person in reality and get punched in the mouth. You realize, okay, consequences of being a dickhead aren't the same in the digital realm compared to how it is in the real world. Just saying. So, but I, once again, I, I feel like eventually we'll have classrooms in schools where they teach digital digital world um, strategies and how to be smarter with it. I mean, I know that there are there are. Um, courses that are being taught to teach you know cyber cyberspace responsibility but 
Um, it seems like it's going to be necessary. I'm tired of hearing about kids killing themselves because they was getting cyberbullied. Yeah, they should have just logged off, but, you know, we got to do something. We got to do something. But mm-hmm. I'm glad you had us, Mr. Mr. Sean, when we feel like it. It's all good. We we're glad you felt like it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I try to every now and then, you know. I feel you, man. I feel you, man. We we we're still we're still getting our our shit together on our side. No boundaries is a it's a, it's a struggle phase right now. <laughs> no no boundaries is a collage. <laughs> it, it, at this point, at this point, shit, man. You know, we come to that point. Uh, where is advice? Want me to go first? Uh, it don't matter, man. Jay usually has that hot fire. You got the hot fire today. You want to wait? Cause I ain't got no hot fire. I'm be honest with you, man. Uh, I can go if, if y'all. Don't know. Um, my words of advice are: nobody is in charge of your happiness but yourself. Plain and simple. I can't. You can't rely on your spouse to make you happy, your job to make you happy, your parents to make you happy, your siblings or anybody. You are in charge of your happiness. So do what makes you happy, and not wait for somebody else to do it. I dig that. I dig that. Uh, I'll piggyback off that and say, um, if you are dealing with something or something, someone, anything in life that you feel is um, causing you any like like distress, it's just stressing you out constantly. Don't be afraid to you know seek help because uh, while you seek help and you know you reach out to people, it's also going to give you a good idea of who your real friends are uh, because we're, we're not we're nobody's alone in this. So as long as you as long as you know that okay I'm dealing with some bullshit you can't afford therapy you can't you don't have that type of financial you know setup to where you can do that you know find the circles that you need to um to to find that help because uh, it, it doesn't always have to be you know over drinks and shit like I saw like I said earlier in the show understand that you know we network and we 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 seek these support groups because we feel like our friends are here for that so remember always like you know if you need help. Seek it. Don't don't try to do it all by yourself. That's all I got. And for me, I don't give a fuck if you're tired. I don't want to hear this tired bullshit. There are certain kids in certain countries who walk 20 miles to school, go to school full eight hours, 10 hours, walk 20 miles home, get home. They got to walk fucking five, 10 miles to get water, bring that back, all this type of shit. I'm sure you're not doing any, anywhere near half of that type of shit. So all that I'm tired of shit, Say that shit. I don't want to hear it. And just make sure you wear a condom when you paint. That's it. <laughs> Please wear a condom when you out here painting. Please. And while you're at it, make sure that you subscribe to When We Feel Like It podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and pretty much everywhere else that supports the podcast. And also the No Boundaries podcast that definitely is on soundcloud spotify shit the youtube is dry as fuck right now but it is on youtube and um obviously you know soundcloud you, you uh, i mean i probably repeated myself but it doesn't matter why are you laughing because i took the i had the link when i was updating link tree i was like i haven't updated that youtube in forever let me just take the link <laughs> so, okay okay but haven't go- put anything on that YouTube. google play but shit goes to google play right oh yeah we're on google okay. play for sure and then, and then once again you know subscribe and also leave five stars Wherever you can. I'm not even sure where you can put five stars, but if you see five stars, you can rate some five stars that has When We Feel Like It podcast on it and the No Boundaries podcast. Rate and review us. Rate and review. And once again, if it's positive, cool. If it's negative, we want the smoke. And with that being said, see y'all niggas later.
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of like, well, I can't do the the regular outro because it's, it's a couple of podcasts going on right it is now. A so, of you know, um, I'm gonna fuck with y'all. Bet. Have a good one. Go. But ever since the dawn of civilization, people have craved for an understanding of the underlying order of the world. There ought to be something very special about the boundary conditions of the universe. And what can be more special than that there is no boundary?